When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This episode is brought to you by Snapple. Want to know another Snapple fact? The first hot air balloon passengers were a sheep, a duck, and a rooster. Ridiculous. Check out Snapple.com to find ridiculously flavored Snapple near you. Ooh, we are doing it on the Shop Dunk Podcast. Hey, everybody. Thanks for downloading this episode of the Sharp Tongue Podcast with your host, Jessie Mae Peluso. We are embarking on a limited Just for Laughs Festival special series of Sharp Tongue Podcast episodes. The next uh, five or so episodes are going to be featuring comedians that were on the festival with me. I almost just choked because I'm drinking a little bit of tequila here. Cheers. Hold on, guys. Cheers. Can you hear it? I just cheers the microphone. Uh, last week to kick off the Just for Laughs Festival special, we had the lovely Bonnie McFarlane. And uh, coming up, we have a whole bunch of great comedians. My voice is almost gone, as you guys can probably hear. I uh, I, I screamed a lot. <laughs> it was two weeks of shows. I did about almost 20 shows. Uh, and, and, you know, we partied a little bit. My brother, my comedy brother, Marty Caproni, came down. Uh, we had some fun. We hung out with Corey, the owner of the Comedy Connection in Rhode Island. Uh, we got to hang out with Jimmy Carr and Jim Jeffries and uh, my friend Jeff Ross and uh, the Sklar Brothers and so many different comedians, you know, comedians who I've been friends with, comedians who I made friends with, and all the other comedians that I talk shit about behind their backs. So I thought I would... Uh, interview a bunch of these hilarious people and bring them to you guys in our limited series special just for laughs festival run of episodes it's going to be a lot of fun we were going to do a hilarious series out there hilarious can you hear my accent (laughs) but even though it's illegal to smoke weed in canada turns out it's difficult to find places to hotbox so season two of hilarious will be coming out we're going to do a special couch hot hot box here right at my freaking house. I'm going to turn my living room into a studio and I'm going to invite over all of my favorite people and we're going to hot box on the couch for a hilarious season two. But it it was a lot of fun, man. The festival was like, it, 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 it just... You know, if you're not a comedian, you don't know what the Just for Last festival is or the Just Paris Festival in Montreal, Canada. Uh, <laughs> it's... A legendary festival. It's been going, running for 37 years, something like that. The show that I was asked to be a part of has been running for about 20 years. They've never had a female host. I wasn't hosting. Bobby Lee was the host, but it's just this very long-running show. I was on the Nasty Show with Andrew Schultz, Big J. Okerson, Bonnie McFarlane, Bobby Lee, CP out of Detroit. Uh, Jimmy Carr did a couple sets on our shows. If you guys don't know who Jimmy Carr is, he's amazing. He's a mean British guy. (laughs) self-proclaimed mean British guy, British comedian, who has just got the smartest, quickest, darkest, quote-unquote, cleanest jokes I've ever heard. I say clean in the 
the way they're written, not in the style that he's certainly not a clean comedian by any stretch, but the writing is just so clean because it's so precise and concise. So look up Jimmy Carr. He's a great classic writer. His jokes are just so amazing. Um, but yeah, we, these shows that we did, the nasty shows was at the medalist building, um, down in, in Montreal and it was probably like a 1100 people every night. The shows were sold out every single night. We did about 14 shows, I think. And it just was amazing. One of the last shows I did, uh, Howie Mandel, who is one of the owners of the festival came into the green room and I know Howie, I worked with him a couple times, different shows, but he's never seen me do stand up. And he came in the green room with his, um, partners and his uh, production crew you know he had his whole everybody that he works with he's just how he's one of the coolest dudes you'll ever meet he treats every comedian the same and he's done amazing things in this industry he's been in this industry for a long time I mean he's done stand-up for years and of course you guys know him from America's Got Talent and Deal or No Deal and uh, just one of my favorite dudes as far as comedy is concerned I remember him from a movie in the 80s called Walk Like a Man, back when he had like his little Jufro, he had like a little Jew mullet, really cute Jufro mullet, and he was like this baby who was raised by the wild, and then he happened upon a suburban neighborhood, and then some woman took him in and turned him into like a, a, you know, modern domestic man. It's really kind of a weird movie. (laughs) Now that I'm saying it out loud, I realize how weird it sounds, but... If you're in the mood for a throwback, check it out. It's called Walk Like a Man. And I had such a big crush on Howie. Oh, my God. I was such a baby. I was, like, so young, and I had such a crush on him. So just to, like, have all these comedians and people like Howie hanging out with us, it it really it felt really nice. We were all just in the green room shooting the shit, busting each other's balls. And, you know, and I go on stage, and I could hear Howie laughing. I could hear you know, uh, my friend Marty and my agents laughing and it just, this, it feels good. It's a, it's a weird thing. You know, it's a weird thing to like that a stranger's laughter can fulfill you in a way that it does, especially with stand up. But afterwards at, uh, we all went to the roast battle. Jeff Ross had the roast battle. Brian Moses was there. Um, CP did it. Jimmy Carr did it. Um, God, there's so so many uh, amazing comedians that were on that. Um, Blake Griffin was there judging. Neil Brennan. Uh, we had Lil Rel there. Michael Che came through. Um, Jim Jeffries was it, it, just so many people. I was hanging out with the Lucas brothers, and we're all sitting there. And right when I sat down, Howie came up to me and just gave me all these amazing compliments about my performance and told me that I made him laugh so hard it hurt, and I wanted to explode. <laughs> It's just like the equivalent of, you know, just like Michael Jordan or, or Kobe Bryant going up to a younger player telling him how amazing he played. That's what it felt like. It just felt like this performer and this, this comedian who I've looked up to for so long complimenting me on what I did. It just, I feel good. You know, I feel like I'm in a good place creatively I'm in a good place comedically and and doing this festival just validated that I felt like I belonged and it was so fucking amazing it really was um <laughs> so I appreciate you guys also 
just every week listening to this podcast and hanging out with me and subscribing, to telling your friends about the podcast, whatever you do to help me out is it's always appreciated. And uh, you guys are you guys are my family. Well, you're not because you know you all can't fit in my apartment. And some of you, yeah, I don't really know you that well, but I appreciate you. <laughs> I appreciate you. This tequila is really good. I'm drinking um, Claza Azul. Highly recommend it if you're a tequila connoisseur. Very delicious. You don't even need any ice. You don't need any club soda. Drink it straight. It's fucking delicious. Um, but I am back from the festival. I have a couple days off. I say a couple days off, but I'm turning my position of the day Instagram story that I do almost daily now into a show with one of my comedy besties, Adam Ray. So Adam Ray and I are putting that together with all things comedy. So that'll be coming out soon. We're filming that tomorrow, a couple episodes of that tomorrow. So that's fucking exciting. As here's this thing that I'm just doing for fun on my phone for me, basically for my entertainment. Adam's like, you need to turn that into a show. And I was like, let's do it. So we are. This is the year of putting it to fruition. Come on, everybody. You got to plan it and you got to make it happen. So that's what we're freaking doing. Speaking of making it happen, let's make this episode happen. I'm rambling. I'm rambling. 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 This guest is a freaking legend in the comedy industry, in the comedy world. Uh, He's a legend in the festival. He is somebody who I've looked up to. He's been on the podcast before, uh, I believe about a year and a half ago, maybe two years ago. And he is somebody who I reached out to recently to help me consolidate all of this work that I had to do, help me figure out some joke writing techniques because he is so good at it. And uh, he also drives a motorcycle and he's a big, enormous black man in all the, all the good ways. <laughs> he's hilarious. He's a gentleman. He's a legend. I hope you guys enjoy it and look for the amazing Alonzo Bowden. Sharp Tongue Podcast. Beep, 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 beep. You're listening to the Sharp Tongue Podcast. I'm your host, Jesse May Jessie. Peluso. It's a personal look. Well, it's not really a look because it's a podcast. I'm already fucking this up. This is kind of like a verbal comedy diary, a deep look into the crevices of my mind. It's going to get dirty. You might cry. You'll probably laugh. Hopefully you'll laugh. The whole point is for you to laugh, but you also might cry. I talk about my family. I talk about farts. farts. I talk about love, loss, comedy, how hard it is to make it in this biz. I'm a fucking professional. I talk about my dog sometimes. Each week it's something different. Sometimes I have a guest host. Sometimes it's going to be a movie companion episode. Sometimes I just ramble about the bullshit I dealt with the week before. You never know what you're going to get. It's raw, uncut, and funny. It's me. It's the car, but... You, you and Jimmy but Carr have been friends for a long time. We've been, yeah, we've been coming here a long time. And he's, he's a super nice guy and just, and he's a great comic. He's a great comic. He's a great writer. What do you, so. do, you do you like, would you consider him one of your close comedy friends? Uh, or just somebody who like. No, he's my, he's my summer camp friend. Like we <laughs> see each other here every year. Yeah. Every year we see each other here. We hang out. We do the charity show together every year. For the um, Hope and Cope, which is this, oh, that's right. the recovery, you know, cancer recovery place. We do that every year and we'll have lunch or dinner, something every year. So, yeah, he's, I see him here. That's yeah. where I say, I see him here every year, but we always hang out. 
and we're huge fans of each other. I can see that. He's, he's, I honestly, out of all the comedians I've seen in this festival and just in our industry, um, I've never quite see, seen somebody write the way he writes because he's it's a machine. Dark. Yeah. Oh, he's super dark. And, and it's so super clean. dark. But, well, you know, it's very British. Yeah. It's very British because it's very dark, but still proper. Right. <laughs> you know, and, and, you're That's not even you're it. not even sure that he cut you as deeply as he did <laughs> until you see the blood on the floor underneath you and then you're like you just you mortally wounded me in that and you're like yeah yeah you're done he looked at my tattoos and he goes <laughs> he can disarm someone in a sentence yeah it it wasn't even a full fucking sentence alonzo he goes single mother <laughs> yeah yeah that's it that's it oh my gosh he, I said Dogs. He went okay. Yeah. What? What was his joke that had me falling oh, down? He said. God. He said, "I've got to stop using the c word. I have to learn my girlfriend mother's name." Yeah. I was like, "Oh my god." His joke. Have you seen his joke about Michael Jackson? Yeah. Oh, it's just, you know, for me, and I want to hear about your opinion as well. Like, there's a spectrum to comedy and performance, and that's yeah. what makes it great. You know, you, if everybody can find what they like. They can right. just, there's a taste for everybody. But when you watch somebody like Jimmy Carr or even you, you realize the next level of craft that's involved in the years of work. The uh, it's like muscle. It's like the it's like a verbal. Yeah. It's a verbal, like built body. That's what it feels like. It's it's what we do. He he had one of my favorite and one of the best Trump jokes right after Trump got elected. <laughs> When Donald Trump became president, little did he know. <laughs> How great a joke is that? I was like, oh my God, Alonzo forgot the joke. <laughs> How great a joke is that? It, that's when you're like, well, well, there's no sense writing any more jokes about that because that's been done. I mean, there's... does it get any more concise than that? We, b before we started recording, you said one of the, the most truest statements I think any comedian or anybody in the industry has ever said, uh, you've never booked a gig from somebody who said they loved you. Never. Any, anyone who loves you, <laughs> I, we love you. Listen, we want to be in the Alonzo Bowden business. Oh, man. And I'm like, really? Because I've been in the Alonzo Bowden business for 26 years. <laughs> and I haven't seen with you. With the same phone number. <laughs> Not hard to find. Got a website. Not really difficult to find. Just been right there. <laughs> and you want to do shows in Africa? Is that a dream to do shows in Africa? Not a dream, but I want to see Africa. I want to yeah. do it. And, and I've heard great things about it. And I know people who've gone, you know, done South Africa and uh, Sub-Saharan Africa, yep. you know. And, yeah, so I want to see it, and I'd love to do it. But it's one of those things people say, we're going to bring you, we're going to do this, but nobody no, it just, nobody does it. They yeah, just, it's and, strange. And again, I know other people who've gone, and and you know, and then I know people who've gone like with Russell Peters when right. he takes a few yeah. people. That's that's a funny one with me because I I know these guys and I love these guys. The big international Russell, 
uh, Gabe Iglesias, and and so and it's like, but they never take me. <laughs> yeah, why you know? wouldn't they? No, I um, Russell was joking. Russell was like, I ain't following you. I know. It's okay. <laughs> <laughs> That'd be very difficult. I mean, we're <laughs> and Gabe, Gabe wanted me to go to Dubai with him one time, but the scheduling didn't work out. But um, but yeah, so I'll get there. I mean, I, I, every year I do one international trip. What's been your favorite? What's your favorite country to perform in? This. Really? Right here, Montreal. What this, do you love about it? The, as far as the city goes, you've now seen my favorite part of the city, yeah, and old Montreal. Right, about going out of the festival location to just see like what it looks like. Ten minutes away. Ten minutes and away. And it's a different, a different world. Country. Different country. Yeah, you're, you're, you're in Europe. Paris. You're Yeah. So I love, I love Montreal. But it's also the audiences here are great because the people who come to the festival, they love comedy. They do. They, they, so they're, they're thirsty. They don't even like... Some some of the shows they go for the name, but other shows they don't even know who's going to be on the show. No. They're just going because they know it's going to be great. And and then it's also the fun of seeing and working with such great comics. Bobby Kelly, <laughs> I don't know if you've seen him this week. I saw him just saw him for the first time in a long time yesterday at Andy Kindler's State of the um, oh. Industry. He did this bit about snow tubing <laughs> as a three hundred pound guy. <laughs> With zero friction. <laughs> Just, I couldn't breathe. I could not I breathe. Can't even breathe. You're Bobby, the Bobby is so, oh he's so funny. He is so funny. And he's always been hilarious. His always, voice is funny. Always. I remember him from Dane Cook's Tourgasms. Oh, were, yeah. Remember when they were busting his balls? And he's like, I make 120000 a year. I am not going out following a fucking mascot. Let me tell you. I'll tell you when I met Bobby, and he, he loves and hates this story, but it's really true. So <laughs> him and Dane were friends, right? And this is back in the early 2000s when Dane is first becoming Dane or whatever. And we're doing this short film that Dane wrote. It was called Eight Guys. And the premise of the movie is eight of us live in a one-room apartment. And the landlord finds out, and we all have to leave, right? <laughs> but the way we decide to do it is when the phone rings, if they ask for you, you have to leave. So that's just the basic premise of the movie. There's an outline of a script, and we're improving. And it was me and Bobby, and it was all Dane's friends, Gary Gullman and um, Jay Davis. Was Jay in it? <laughs> was I don't. I don't remember if Jay was in it, but but anyway, it, it's a bunch of us, and and so. I'm meeting Bobby, and Bobby's talking shit, and I'm talking shit, and we're going at each other. And he calls, shut up, Brownie. And I was like, wait, did you just call me Brownie? Like, is that even a slur? I know. Are you even allowed to call me Brownie? And we were just (laughs) crying. And I fell in love with him that day, and we've been friends ever since. And he's... (laughs) He's one of the funniest people I know, and we're the guys. We're we're like Tom Papa. Yeah, you know we're. I mean, he's classic. We're the guys who the festival. I I call us we're the utility players. Yeah, you right? said this when we were walking in Hermosa. Beach. They just call us like I saw Tom Papa at the end of May. Neither one of us was booked for the festival. We both been here all week. That's insane. That's how it works. They they're <laughs> like, oh, we got these spots to fill. Yeah, where's Alonzo? Where's Bobby? Where's Tom? Where's there's a few of us that they do that, and we love it. We well, yeah, love it. You guys but are also like it's almost like your glue. You're you're the we've glue. We've been here. We've and and you know and we love being comics. I mean, when you talk about the writing and the this and that, you know, I love that because I love being a comic and coming up with a new idea and writing a new joke and and doing it. So. 
Yeah, I love performing here b- because I'm around the best and we're friends. And, you know, again, so many you don't see elsewhere. Any other. I don't run into Jimmy Carr anywhere else. That's so but, bizarre. But every time we're here, we have a great time together. We, <laughs> we crack up with each other and we talk, you know, serious talk and we shop. talk about the business and yeah. all that. But it's really fun. So, yeah, this is this is probably my favorite event in comedy. You know, when it comes to places to perform, I mean, I like Vegas. What, we, what about Vegas? Vegas is a unique market, I think. Vegas is a cross-section of America. If, yeah. if, you had to, if you had to show someone America in a week wow. or even in a weekend, take them from one end of the strip to the other. You're 100% right. You see everything from the hood to white trash to rich to sexy. Foreigners. To, yeah, everything in, New York, everything in America is you know you know one mile families, strip families 100% families right. singles you know like i say you you got the you know super sexy youngsters right you got the the rich the walking old, around the sick, and you the have poor. <laughs> and yeah you have yeah everybody it's literally every, <laughs> give me your sick a, a friend of mine he had, he had the greatest joke but he said las vegas is the only place you can watch someone become homeless <laughs> Right. Oh, that's so that's sad. a it's a mal hall. I give credit to people who write oh. great jokes. It's a great joke because it's really so true. Can. You can watch someone literally, become you can homeless up to a single chip. Yeah, uh, and and it's also a good like crossroads of America because it basically represents all things human and Americans want like a better life, hope, and indulgence. Right. Well, no matter what your vice. Vegas indulges you. What's your vice? You know, my vices in Vegas are food and shopping. Those That's are not the bad. two. Yeah, those have are those the two. Have those been your vices your whole life? Have you had any other no, dark vices? Um, no. I well, yeah, I was a druggie. You know, a and, drug addict. Yeah. What was yeah. your What was your poison? Cocaine. You know, I was an '80s cokehead, and but uh, that was. I feel like that was the culture, and that was the time. Yeah, but I took it to the extreme. I was an '80s crackhead, so. <laughs> That, that, Why do I that laugh was, at that? That I'm wasn't terrible. social. That wasn't social. Not I a lot of picture you what a crackhead, Alonzo. Well, you know this. This is the thing because <laughs> I didn't and and uh, you know I did Rogan's podcast and and I love Joe. Joe's yeah. another guy who I I love Joe. And when I was talking, Joe's mind was blown because he I, couldn't imagine. I cannot imagine you. But I told him I I had five years of sobriety when I started doing comedy, so I've never done comedy loaded. It's wow. always. But but that was my thing in the 80s. You know, I, it started out, yeah, fun cocaine in the 80s. And I said, well, let me take this to the extreme. <laughs> um, so that's been it. But I've always been a shopper. I've always liked clothes and, and sneakers and all of that. Do you like, and, like uh, name brands or do you? Yeah, I, yeah, yeah, I like good stuff. Yeah. Um, you know, and my limiting thing is my size, right? Because what like, do they where make? The frick can you find? You know, what do they make big enough? Thank God for the internet. <laughs> Look at your you hands. Know? How do you even find yeah, gloves? It's, you know, triple extra large. <laughs> That's why Trump would hate me. <laughs> Grab that little baby hand. How, but, what, what got you sober? What was a sobering moment for you? Uh, jail. <laughs> yeah, jail. Jail will put everything in perspective. <laughs> One oh, yeah. time in jail? Or yeah, multiple? it would no, it was the one night. It was that thing. You know what happened? I um I got busted and I'd never been busted. And the one night in jail by myself where you're like, This isn't where I'm meant to be. Yeah. You know, this isn't this 
it was like I, you know, I had education. I had been worse working in aerospace at the time and, you know, blah, blah, blah. And, you know, my family's solid. And it was one of those like, this ain't supposed to how this isn't this is not the road how it's supposed to end especially not the recipe aerospace you, right. you go to you went to college for I went to aviation high school in New York and I got licensed I was a licensed airplane mechanic that was my first career I did that for 10 years it You're an enigma Well it led to comedy <laughs> because I started training new mechanics right and and I could make them laugh but recovery also led to comedy because I got sober at a place called Studio 12 Right, so the stars went to Betty Ford. Yeah, the crew went to Studio Twelve. <laughs> it sounds like a place where a crew goes. Yeah, so I was with <laughs> I was with you know grips and electricians and makeup artists and camera people and so. But it was and I had never been around the entertainment business and in recovery I was around entertainment, and they they were creative, and they loved what they did and like I come from this blue collar right. go to school get a job background so this world. Was, I had never imagined this world, and they were like, yeah, why not? You could do it. And my sense of humor changed because it went from, like I, I described it as a, it was a tool of separation. I could always make people laugh, but it was like, I'm going to belittle this person. I'm going to do whatever. I'm going to push you away using yep. humor or hide completely behind Build the humor. And then they 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 got me laughing at myself, and then then I found I could again I could always make people laugh, right? So I started teaching in aerospace, and I was super comfortable in front of the room. I wasn't nervous at all. And you put those two together, and you're like, I'm going to try comedy, and I did it once. And what was, I do you remember never, your first show? Yeah, I remember my first two shows. Okay, because <laughs> well, I did this comedy class, right? Because I didn't know how comics came up with material. So I did this one, this writing, you know, the six-week yep. class. And the graduation yep. is you do five, five minutes. minutes. So the graduation show is like Saturday. So like Wednesday, me and this other guy in the class said, hey, man, we should do an open mic. We should go somewhere and test this. And I'm like, yeah. So we went to this little club. used to be in Encino. It's called the Comedy Cabaret. And they had an open mic in the bar area. And I did two jokes. I couldn't tell you what they were. But my mind went completely blank. Oh, man. I just stood there like, thank you, and walked <laughs> off. So that was my first show. <laughs> but then the second show, the, the five-minute graduation show, just went amazing. And um, You got that bug. Oh, it was – I had – you know, honestly, at that moment, I had no doubt I was going to be a comic. That, it was that, like, so beautiful. this is what I'm going to do. And then you start the grind. And um, I still I still love it. I can tell yeah. you do. And, you yeah. know, honestly, like, your peers and people who look up to you know you do. Like, Leo Flowers, my dear friend. Yeah, yeah. I was pacing in the apartment and, you know, just sort of in my head about the festival and writing and, you know, all these other things that I'm working out, uh, working on outside of the festival and trying to organize my mind. And he goes, Peluso, stop wasting your time. Call Alonzo. <laughs> yeah, it's um, – I have become the mayor you are of the festival. You're the mayor of comedy. <laughs> I didn't know. I didn't know when it happened. It happened three or four years ago, and it's it's cool though. It's funny because people. I had Chris Spencer calling me, asking me how to get spots. I'm like, I don't book it. <laughs> I don't book it. But um, and then I gave him a spot opening for my show. No, it's it's. I love that, and and you know, I became the old one of the old guys about six or seven years ago, and I realized that. 
when young comics started asking me shit that I remember asking George Wallace. Whoa. That was like, Whoa. I was like, oh, I guess I'm the old vet now. I, I'm cool with it. You know, I appreciate it. I joke about the young comics, but I love them. And I love, this is what I love, though, with comics like, and I'll say from your generation and newer than you. Right. That you guys still like me and I'm still relevant. You are. And that keeps me into it because I know how comics you age out. And I know comics who got bitter. Yep. And then, oh, this this alternative shit or this they didn't whatever. Or whatever. And it's like, look, I'm I'm not going to write alt comedy in the sense of being a hit. Like, I ain't growing a beard. All right? I'm just not. I'm not growing a beard. I'm not wearing plaid. With all due respect, you look good in plaid. Thank you. Me, not so much. But, but I get it. And, and you know, I... Um, Baron Vaughn. I love Baron Vaughn. Brilliant, I'm funny. I'm so happy for all he's working on. With the development of the New Negroes and what him and, and Mike have done with that is great. But early on, he said, he said, yeah, man, you were one of the guys who showed me that black comics don't have to do black comedy. Whoa. And I really appreciated him saying that because it, it wasn't even conscious. But when I did it, you know, I looked at guys like Franklin Ajay was a hero of mine, yeah. and I got to meet him. I don't know if you're familiar with Franklin. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, and then I saw guys like Sinbad, uh, Tommy Davidson, and these were black comics that could work any room. Every, any room. Any, any room. room. Sinbad's funny anywhere. He's funny everywhere. And, you know, and, and it's no knock against the, the Def Jam comedy, which I started in the Def Jam era, but I'm not a Def Jam guy. Right. And and You're no no really. knock again yeah and recently, um, a guy pointed that out to me. He said, "You know, you didn't make it big because you didn't pick a side." Yep. But absolutely. I, and that's when I realized, and I've been writing about this lately. Is no, I was born in the middle. See, <laughs> when I when I well honestly, when I went to school growing up, that's a great title by the way. Born I was, in the middle. I was bused to white schools. Whoa. So I always grew up on both sides of the coin, and there was no there was no mystery to what like a lot of people. There's a mystery on the other side, uh -huh. right? If you grow up in a black neighborhood and you're only around black people, white people are a bit of a mystery to yeah. you. If you're in a white neighborhood and you're only around white people, black people are Absolutely. a mystery, or or Latino or Jewish or yep. whatever. So you I went to. I went to school with white and Jewish kids, so I saw that like they would have to go to Hebrew school, and it was like, "What? You got to go to school again after school?" You know. <laughs> and but but and then growing up in New York, did you, you grow up in New York City? Yeah, I grew up in Queens, so you're around everybody. Like in my high school, we had one of the best soccer teams because we had so many South Americans, yeah, who grew up with soccer. So and then you learn, oh, they're not all Puerto Rican. They're, they're, <laughs> Then there's to, a whole, yeah, I said, a whole not thing. that we care. As far no, as I'm concerned, no. they're all Puerto Rican. But, <laughs> but no, but you learn. But but you learn all this. So the idea of choosing a side, like I didn't, you know, I'm very, I'm definitely black, and I'm aware of it. And I'm aware of racism, and I talk about racism. But at the same time, it's like not all white people are evil or bad or anything like that. And I'll tell you what I've been learning about. More money. And I've always loved women. And I've always had women friends. And the name of my company is Just a Friend, based on an old <laughs> joke. I've always had a lot of women friends. But lately, it's it's kind of like I'm learning this stuff about what women are dealing with and putting up with. In the comedy biz, see, early in the, two, in the early 2000s, there was that whole women aren't funny right. 
nonsense, yes. right? Yeah. I think Eddie Brill and, was one of the guys who mentioned something about that. Yeah, and then and then I thought it was gone. <laughs> Seriously, I thought like I thought, okay, we're past that. Right. And then and recently, I've been talking to women, and they're telling me about these bookers who don't book women. Yeah, and and so and I was like, oh shit, like we're still. We're still in this. Still that? Like that? I thought. Like when we were waving dicks at them, (laughs) which I missed out on, which I missed out on. And Jesse May, I didn't know that it was a career move. But 15 years ago, well, you would have been illegal. But if you were the age you're at now, and I was 15 years younger, I'd be in this room right now waving my dick at you. And you'd be, that's horrible. But 15 years later, I'd be a millionaire. I didn't know. Yes. I didn't know. But now. It's all about the timing in life. You can't wave dicks in 2019. (laughs) You're a fucking animal. (laughs) You can't wave. But I had one in 03. I had a dick in 03, and I didn't wave it at anybody. (laughs) Oh, you missed out, Alonzo. Again, another opportunity blown. Damn. Somebody (laughs) was like, Alonzo, we we love you. We want to be in the dick waving business with you. (laughs) And I, I missed that meeting. Light, man. I, I love are. you. I love, but I love this, and and I learned to love this from guys like George Wallace and Dom Herrera and George oh, Lopez, and these were the guys when I started. Right, I was a doorman at the Laugh Factory. This, you talk about college. That was my education. Every night, George Wallace, George Lopez, Damon Wayans, man. Dom Herrera. You just know, killers. and then yeah, just coming in every night. Where I watched, I watched. Uh, Damon Wayans put together an hour over 30 days. Wow. And that's an education in writing yes. and working. And then, and then I started doing Fraser Smith's After Midnight, which was this big rock star comedy show he did. And he asked me to open up every week. So I had to do a new five minutes every week. So it was like, yeah, you got to write every week. and Because it was the same audience, same crowd. So that was my education, and and I love it. But but the other thing I learned, like you still talk to Dom. Dom loves being a comic. He loves. It. He's he's very you know? similar to you in that sense, where he he's so generous with his time. He he loves to talk shop. He loves to talk, like help you punch up your jokes. He's, well, he's he's uh, he's definitely a huge lover of comedy. You know, we all do. I mean, years ago there was a guy named Kyle Cease. And Kyle was running these comedy workshops. Yeah, that name sounds familiar. And he was charging these comics a lot of money to come to these workshops. And like Doug, how much? Thousands. Oh, shit. And Stanhope got into it with him, and Stanhope was kind of saying he's a fraud and this and that, whatever. And, you know, that personalities clashed and so on. But one thing Stanhope said that was very true, he said, you know, if you're a young comic, if you want to learn about comedy... Just sit down and talk to a headliner because yep. there's nothing we love more than talking about this. Yep. He said, "Don't be an asshole. Just ask questions, ask questions and sit down and fucking shut up <laughs> and and listen to people <laughs> who've been doing it. Don't tell them what's you know, and you learn. And and so I've always learned. So yeah. So now to be on the other side of that in a lot of cases, I I love that. And then you you also learn um, in this business, young comics." Who are listening to listen, this? Listen, you young, you young pups. Go online, go to Amazon, and download a book called "Kicking Through the Ashes." It's written by a guy named Rich Scheidner, and you will learn the history of comedy. Rich started in the mid '70s and 
was in through the whole 80s boom and he he worked with everybody and like when they started at you know with the improv in New York and coming to the comedy store in LA and he tells all these great stories of comics who were big names already and who became name and you you just get this sense of history but rich said something about you know as far as famous yeah. right because the funniest is not always the most famous. No, that's not. The, it, it would be nice. And he said, you know, for whatever reason, they rather hear it from someone else, Whoa. right? And 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 it's true. And you don't know what that reason. Like like Dane is a perfect example. Yeah. I've been friends with Dane. I met Dane in '99, and I've always been cool with Dane. And I I've always said this about Dane Cook. We like, oh, he's not funny. He's this. I said, look, Dane's a fucking rock star. Yeah. He was a rock star, and I said, now, you look at Mick Jagger. I guarantee you there were people who looked better yes. and could sing better. <laughs> I guarantee For you sure. they were, you know, looked better, and could. but Mick Jagger was a fucking rock star. Yes, he and was. And that's just the way it is. And yes. certain people are rock stars, and that's no knock against things. See, I always thought Dane was funny, but he had to do his material. If you read it on paper, it's not funny, yeah, but when he performs right. it, it becomes funny because it's him, and he brings life to it. he brings his life to it. It's like Gabe Iglesias. Yeah, yep. When <laughs> mid nineties, we're working East LA rooms. We're doing bars and shit like that. This fat kid <laughs> bounces on stage <laughs> in shorts, giggling, and we were like, "This is the most lovable person on earth." Like you could not. It was a giant 10-year-old that you wanted to play with. And that's who he is. That's, that's exactly who he is. And from day one, we were all like, this guy is a... <laughs> but, you know, we didn't know that he would be a marketing powerhouse and know how to build his career I mean, and do all of that. He's a master with that. But he was so funny. And the little voices. And, they, <laughs> you know, and again, if you read Gabe's jokes on paper... It's like not... like if you read my jokes, if you read Jimmy Carr, we're writers. So yeah. you're like, oh, yeah, that's funny, you know, blah, blah, blah. But when you read Gabe's, you're like, well, it's just telling a story. Yeah, exactly. But yeah, but you didn't incorporate sixteen little voices <laughs> and giggles and, and, and this and that and movement and you know and you know that so that's what made it that's what brought it to life. Yeah. You know. So so the the point being that how could you be mad that Gabe is a international star and multimillionaire? Like, oh fuck him. Really? I know, and there's plenty to go around. <laughs> you know, that yeah, you learn that. So um, you know, it it's you know, it's good. It's it's I love this. I still love this business. What's one thing you want to accomplish? Just one thing in your and it could be professional or it could be personal. What is something in your life that you are looking forward to accomplishing? You know, you know what I, w- I would love to do? Um, Gary Goldman is a friend of mine. Great writer. Brilliant writer. Brilliant person. Yep. One of the smartest people I've ever met, you know, beyond comedy. Yep. Gary went through a real rough time with depression and all of that, and he's dealt with it, and he has created um, a, a, an hour plus and then he just shot an HBO special and I can't wait to see it but what I love about it was it's truly personal mm. like it it's it's his life it's his story and he took it and he took something that people would see as tragic or disturbing or whatever you want to call it and he made it funny and it's, I would love to do that I would love to do something 
that deeply creative. Mm-hmm. I I can cre- I love creating. I love topical stuff and making the you know social commentary and this and that. But and I haven't figured out how to make my life, how to make my personal story into that. I look forward to seeing. I that. would love to do. You know, people ask me like, when are you going to write a book? And I haven't figured out. I know there's a book in me. There's a discipline to writing a book that I haven't developed yet. But there's also it's a it's a daunting task, right? And figuring out what's your story, How like do you start? what are you, yeah. what's the story you want to tell. So yep. I would love to to create that. I think that's um, I think that's like like I said with Gary. I can't wait to see it. Yeah. I can't wait to see, because I know him and I know this is going to be. Just a great piece of work. So I would love to uh, to create something on that level of depth. Depth as far as fun. My my ultimate <laughs> fun role. I'm not an actor. I don't pretend to be. I tell my agent, "Would you find out how bad actors get work?" <laughs> so I can be I the can guy. See you being an actor can I? Alonso. I want to be that guy where people are like, "How the hell did he get that job?" I, I so want to be the "How the hell" guy. <laughs> The how to hell guy is well paid. You should write a book on how to be the how to hell. The how, how to hell, hell guy. guy. He's well paid. He, he, he has is. a big house up in the hills, yep. and you're like, what the work. shit? This, this is God. How to hell? You want to be that guy. guy? You know, but but I always wanted to be the bad guy with a sense of humor. That the, <laughs> the guy who kills you, but it's funny yeah. to him, and he's cracking jokes <laughs> while he does it. I've always thought that's a that would be a great character. You know. Um, Sam Jackson has kind of flirted with that I was character. Just thinking, you know, honestly, I was like in, Tarantino. You'd be good with Tarantino. In some things, yeah. But yeah. but that's that's the character that would just be fun to play. Like, yeah, I kill people, <laughs> but it's fun. And you know, he had he had it coming. Like a friend of mine, uh, Kenny Bob Davis, that passed away a couple of years ago. Old friend, and he's like one of those country western comics. He used to do a open for country stars. Kenny Bob. Do, Kenny Bob Davis used to do. Uh, <laughs> Um, <laughs> Dolly Parton. golf tournament. Yeah, he worked with like the Oak Ridge she Boys and, and all yeah. of them, you know. And he had this thing. Why'd you kill him? Some bitch needed killing. <laughs> he was like, he was like in Texas. That's a legitimate defense <laughs> in court. Some bitch needed killing. Like I, I want to be. So I want to be that guy, but not country western. Yeah, that's good. He's like, yeah, that's that's a legitimate defense. You go to court in Texas. Why'd you kill him? Some bitch need killing. And then like, okay. So you well, want to be the how the hell guy in the, in the yeah. guy who murders people? Who needed help. killing. That's something needed killing. Oh, God, yeah. Alonzo. You, are, you honestly are a bright light. I think you're one of the greatest comics working today. Thank you so much. And I, I appreciate you sharing yeah. your, your history, your um, experiences, and just your general, you know, overall comedy um, you know your 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 education that you've acquired throughout these years. Well, you know, you being a woman and not funny. <laughs> you know, you guys just don't have it. That that still that still blows my mind. Yeah, and you are funny, and I love what you do. And you've you you built you have a fan base, and you've done the work. You do the work, which I love. I mean, I love the creative part of the work. You do great at the business side of the work too. And that's been and that, a, a feat. Thing. I appreciate that because I've I've tried to you know educate myself. Yeah, and it's great. And and not taking away from the fa- you're funny because you are <laughs> funny too. But but my point being that that like I said. The, this idea of women 
not being, you know, it's like, the fuck is wrong with you? Like, you know, again, we, we have arguments and fights that I'm like, <laughs> how can, are you still? Really? You're yeah, still is that, fighting? Like, you haven't... Have you, have, have you turned on a TV you or You haven't seen out? a TV or a movie in yeah, 15, 20 years or, or ever? Are you awake? You know, yeah. So... <laughs> You know, and I'm fortunate to know that, like, the one my go-to is like, oh, women are funny. Really? Have you met Kathleen Madigan? Yeah, oh God, she's so she'll destroy funny. Do you when, remember Joan Rivers? When we were doing Last Comic Standing, <laughs> right, and they used to have the, you know, we had this head-to-head challenge, right, and you have to say, I know I'm funnier than blank. Right. right. It's part of the game. And I used to always pick Gary. <laughs> you know? And Gary's like, why do you always throw me under the bus? I said, well... Kathleen's won comic of the year twice, has two HBO specials and 17 Tonight Shows. You have jokes about cookies. <laughs> Did you kill him? He must have had to. It. Had to. But but again, you know, we we love each other, but it's like, but Kathleen's a monster. This and she they're is a beast. yeah, and there's you know, Wanda Sykes, my god. Her latest special is just, it's so perfect. It's so well-written, performed. Wanda her, is her so... Out, her act-outs. Right. So so when you say women aren't funny, it's like, well, then you're a, you're a fucking idiot. Like, yeah. I can't... We were just talking about this at lunch. There are certain people, you can't argue with them because their premise is so ridiculous that we have no basis to start the discussion. No, you can't, even, discussion. Yeah, you can't even get beyond the... So, and, and, and I know you deal with this because you're an attractive young woman right. and they're like, well, she can't be funny. I mean, look at her. There's like, a lot of yeah, that. there's yeah, she's so she's let's ugly her up a bit. <laughs> let's get her some bruises. Perhaps, perhaps if we ugly her up a bit, you would <laughs> approve of what she does. So, I and again, I'm just you know, so I'm cool with that. And you go through, you know, we all go through periods, ups and downs, depressions, yep. frustrations with the business, and I've always had that. But it all goes away when you hit the stage. It, it right? sure it goes away. Does when you hit the stage is the therapy, and it like really is. You were talking about Jimmy. You know, me and Jimmy Carr were talking about this, and our blessing and our <laughs> curse, right, is that our work is our fun. It really is, and it really so, is a blessing and a curse. You're absolutely right. So when they ask, well, what do you do to get away from this? It's like, well, why would I want to get away from why this? Why would I ever want to get away from this? Like, I do all that other shit so I can do this. Yep. All that, all that's yep. just shit that I do so I can do this. And you were talking about the relationships, and I've dated and I've been in love, and I never got married. I, I you know, I heard Louis Black say one time, oh, I'm married to this shit. <laughs> and I've always felt that, yeah, it's like that. But I, it's another thing when I see other comics and they get my friend Mal Hall again, brilliant young guy who's he's at that point he needs that break yeah. and he just had a son and I'm like you know I'm so happy for you because that's something real. It is something and it, it, it's an anchor for your your creativity. Yeah, because like I say, this shit isn't real. Right. You know, when somebody down at the bar at the Double Tree says they love you, they probably don't. <laughs> I don't want to be the one to ruin it for you. <laughs> But well, if they're I at the you. Double Tree in Montreal, <laughs> they probably don't. I want to be in the Alonzo Bowden. Yes. yes um, how how can my fans be in the Alonzo Bowden business? Where can they find you? My name, AlonzoBowden.com, uh, A-L-O-N-Z-O-B-O-D-D-E-N. Or just, all you do is Google comic Alonzo, and it's me or Cristela. <laughs> And you're both right. wonderful. So <laughs> she's my favorite Alonzo. I, we could we could spend an hour talking about how much I love Cristela and how funny she is. But again, yes. Yeah, so I'm there and so funny on Instagram. Just you know, 
toss me a couple of thousand of your hundreds oh, of thousands sure. of followers. Absolutely. Well, as a and, as a female, an attractive young female comedian, I gotta say, I'm disappointed you didn't take your dick out, Alonzo. You know, but so is Louis. <laughs> so is Louis. And Louis Louis <laughs> says my my lack of success is my own fault because I'm alone in a room with Jesse May Peluso and my dick didn't come out once. So you know what? Are you, what are you gonna do? Love you too. This is fun. Thank you. Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the Roaring Twenties. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device or play on PC through Facebook games.